This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2, ESPNU, Sirius XM 80, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, the ESPN app. And you can be a part of the Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper the ones fans deserve. Well, I'm going to make a bold prediction right off the bat here. What's up? I'm going to guess we don't see a rematch between the Raiders and the Packers in the Super Bowl thank, this year. Thank God, because football <laughs> fans everywhere should rejoice. Like the girls in the makeup room before the show were asking me who won last night. I said the NFL. And they said, what do you mean? Well, who lost? I said the fans that watched it. That, that's how bad that game was yesterday. I mean, I, I'm literally watching, and it's making my eyes bleed in terms of how bad the football was. Just sloppy football all over the place. The turnovers, the poor execution. But in the end, somebody had to win, and I guess it was the Jimmy Garoppolo-led Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that was one of those games, like I told you guys before the show. I'm sitting on my couch watching it. I'm questioning all my life choices. Like, how did I get here? How did I get to this point where I am watching the entirety of this game between these two teams? Not uh, necessarily an entertaining game last night. No, 17-13, the Raiders beat the Packers. Jimmy G, 22 of 31, 208, a touchdown and a pick. His record now, his team's record in games he starts, is 42 and 19. I don't think that should be brushed to the side because finding ways to win, even ugly, is certainly a good thing. Jordan Love, 16 of 30, 182, three interceptions, including a last-minute interception on the Packers' attempt to win that game down four points after Josh McDaniels and the Raiders decide to go for a field goal to try to put them up seven. They miss that field goal. Packers get the ball back, and Jordan Love throws his third pick of the game. And when you look at these two teams now, guys, the Raiders are 2-3, and three, but they're scheduled now moving forward. They've got New England. They've got the Bears. They're at the Lions, home against the Giants, home against the Jets. Those are five games with four very winnable, and I think we're going to know a lot about Josh McDaniels' future as a head coach in the NFL, and if he can't get through that run of five games, he's probably not going to be there any longer past this season, and the Green Bay Packers are kind of where we thought they'd be, hovering around what no longer exists, but a 500 record in a bad division in the NFC North, which is right where they were a year ago, but in better financial situation without a $50, $60 million quarterback. But they also don't have Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback, as we saw last night. Yeah, it's going to be inconsistent when you have a quarterback in his first year as the full-time starter. And Matt LaFleur talked about it a little bit last night. He says, anytime your defense holds an opponent to 17 points, you got to find a way to make that stick. And the defense played better than the score would indicate because of how they were in sudden change situations. Think about it. Their quarterback threw three interceptions last night, and yet you're talking about that game still being one possession. So credit to them, Jair Alexander and the company, they played hard. They played well enough to win. It's just their offense has to come to the party. But my big takeaway from last night's game is that the Detroit Lions should run away with the <laughs> NFC North. Like, like At this point, like I, I mean – the Green Bay is probably the closest team to them. I mean, they got a two and three record, but you look at the Minnesota Vikings one and four, Chicago Bears one and four. Those teams ain't close. Those teams ain't contending for a division title. And quite frankly, Green Bay ain't ready for prime time. Right now, the Detroit Lions have the largest lead of any division leader in the NFL. It's two and a half games through the first five. They should cruise to an NFC North title. Now, I know that's got to be uncomfortable for Javante and all the other Lions fans out there because they're not used to hearing that about 
about their team, but look at the odds. I mean, they're minus 400 to win the NFC North. The next shortest odds are plus 500 for Green Bay. Does Green Bay look like a division winner based on last night's balls? Absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you're Detroit right now, you feel good about where your team is at. And with the upcoming schedule, you're on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. And then I believe that you have a layup game against the Las Vegas Raiders at home. You got to win two of the next three before I'm going to take you seriously as a team that can do some damage in the postseason. But right now, we can go ahead and start talking about what the Detroit Lions need to do in order to gear up for a playoff run. CC, three of the four divisions in the NFC are done. They're done. The Eagles are winning the NFC East. Yep. The Niners are winning the NFC West. And the Lions are winning the NFC North. Yep. NFC South, gray area, fine. Tampa, Atlanta, New Orleans, all kind of in the mix. We know we know Carolina's not. No. Three, of, three of the four in that division are done. I'd say the AFC West is done. I don't see anybody catching Kansas City. And I, I know we just talked about the Raiders having an easy stretch, but they're not a great team where there's anything such as an easy stretch, even though I just said that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, I mean, the NFC, the Eagles, the Lions, and the Niners, that's it. That's it. Bet on them now. Don't be an idiot and bet on anybody else to come back and win that division. It ain't happening. And I've been a supporter of the Cowboys. They're not surpassing the Cow- their Eagles in that division. Three of the four divisions in the NFC, donezo. And we're five I weeks actually in. think that you might be spot on here. I think that you're right in saying that, especially after. I don't think it's a bold take. Smalls. I don't. I, don't I think, think it's it is obvious either. at this point. But it's. But through week five, did we really think three of the four would be wrapped up? We th- um, no, okay. I did not. I did not. I did not. I, I not, not through the first not. quarter of the season. Especially, you know, we're talking about the <laughs> NFC North. I did not expect the Vikings to be where they are. I, I didn't think that they were going to have the same amount of luck that they did last year. Obviously, winning all of those one score games, but I didn't think they'd be this bad. No, I did not. Well, I shouldn't say that. I did think they were going to be this bad, but I did not think the Lions would be this good. I thought the Lions may come back to life a little bit. Sure. Like I, I thought the Lions would be a little bit worse than we anticipated while still having an opportunity to win the division. And I think that when you look at this now, again, three of the four are done. I think you're 1,000% right on the separation between the Lions and the Packers. D- I can't believe I'm saying this. Say it. Dare I say the and I like the Packers, but dare I say they're closer to the Bears than they are the Lions? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And that's not as much think, of a knock; it's just they have say. a first-year starter. I think that's fair to say. If those two teams line up today, I think that's a coin flip game based on how the Bears' offense has played the last two games, and based on how the Packers' offense has played the last two games. Yeah. Now, I don't want to sit here and slam Jordan Love. We knew it was going to be up and down this year, and the poor starts have plagued the Packers' offense. They got to figure out how to get going a little bit quicker. But, yeah, it, it's it's uneven. That That's what happens when you have a first-year starter at quarterback. But with the Detroit Lions, they're, they're comfortable in their skin. You see what that offense is with Jared Goff, and now they have some new weapons. They've got Sam Laporta. They, they've got Jamison Williams coming back, a former first-round draft pick, uh, another weapon for him out on there on the edge. We'll see what happens with Jameer Gibbs, whether or not he can get back. But they got a capable running back in David Montgomery. If you're the Detroit Lions brass right now, you should absolutely be in buy mode. If you're their general manager, Brad Holmes, if you're the head coach, Dan Campbell, you need to be huddling up and figuring out what we need and go out there and get it. Right now, if I were to point to a sore spot on this team, it would be the secondary. They had a lot of injuries in the secondary. C.J. Gardner-Johnson misses some time. they got some other corners that have been in and out. They've got to find some secondary help in order for them to not only get into the postseason, but actually win a playoff game and go on a playoff run. So I think that's what they have to start gearing up, and that's the urgency that they should have after watching last night's game because nobody else in the NFC North is close. You are going to punch your ticket to the playoffs. I know it sounds strange through the first five games to say that about a Detroit Lions team, 
but they're there. So now it's about what do we need in order to beat teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, like the San Francisco 49ers, if we happen to match up with them, like the Seattle Seahawks who have been there, and that could be a feisty wild card, a team you lost to in week two of the regular season already. Like that has to be the mentality for Detroit today after watching Monday Night Football. And I also think despite a 17-13 loss, I don't know that the Packers should be that disappointed because you're right where we kind of thought you would be. And if you look at it, they're at the Broncos on the 22nd. Home against the Vikings, home against the Rams. The Rams are playing much better than people realize so far this season. They actually gave the Eagles as much of a good game as you could give the Eagles who are so good at this point. But, I mean, they have winnable games upcoming, and as long as they finish in that 8-9, and 9-8 and eight range, I think that's a great step for the Packers. I think we forget. Well, they were 6-10 and ten. They were six and ten in Aaron Rodgers' first year. Right. So, well, I mean, they were 8-9 and nine in his last year. Yeah, I mean, so anytime you transition away from a legendary quarterback, it's going to be up and down. It's going to be uneven. And it's not to say that Aaron Rodgers didn't play well that season, but it just wasn't well enough to win a lot of football games. It's, it's new learning because this is a new role that you've been thrust into. And as much as you can benefit from watching it, there's nothing quite like doing it. So, yeah, again, I think it's way too early to make any definitive judgment on what Jordan Love is or isn't, but I don't think it's too early to make a judgment on what the landscape of the NFC North is going to look like. Do you think that that is how the Packers should view this season? I know that going into it, you certainly want to win as many games as you can, but at the end of this, if you feel comfortable that Jordan Love is the guy and that you made the right decision in retaining him and moving on from Aaron Rodgers, isn't that enough for this season? my opinion, yes. If you enter this season thinking, oh, we're a Super Bowl team, something's wrong with you. If you think about Jordan, that's all this is about. Is Jordan Love significantly better after the 17th game than he was after the first game? And do you feel like you have your guy moving forward? They hedged their bets a little bit because they didn't technically pick up that fifth-year option. They renegotiated and extended for a year to kind of split the difference between what it was and what he wanted maybe. But if you look at it, here's what would be concerning. And maybe this is – and I'm a, I think this guy is going to end up being pretty good. And maybe this is just having tape on a guy, and you would know better than we would, CC. He started the season, three touchdowns, no picks, three touchdowns, no picks, one touchdown and a pick. And the last two games, one touchdown, five picks. That, it's that the, more, the interceptions are rising. Is that just having tape on a guy where they didn't previously? No, I think that that's Jordan Love making mistakes when other defenses are adjusting to him. And, and so, again, is this back and forth. There's an ebb and flow. Teams are going to see what you do, the concepts that he wants to lock in on, the things that he – no, no pun intended, loves, and they're going to take those away. What are Jordan Love's adjustments? Can he go through his progression? Can he have productivity when they take away his first option, his first receiver in a passing concept? That's, that's again, new learning for Jordan Love. I'm not, I'm not surprised that there's going to an uptick in the interceptions now that we're at the quarter pole of the season. Now you're just looking for Jordan to adjust and to get with Matt LaFleur and to kind of go back through some of the mistakes and avoid making the same mistakes throughout the season. I think that's the sign of growth, and that's the sign of a quarterback that can one at one point in the future be your franchise guy. But again, I, I, I didn't think that the takeaways from last night's game happened to be about the two teams playing in the game. Although I will say this, Devontae Adams with the Las Vegas Raiders, we thought about him as a potential trade deadline target for teams that are contenders. I mean, based on the Raiders' upcoming schedule, they've got a date with the Patriots at home, and then they're on the road against the Chicago Bears. They should be 4-3 and three going into the Week 8 matchup in Detroit. 
if that's the case, they're not trading Devontae Adams. So that might be one of those trade pieces that's taken off the board in the landscape of the NFL when we start talking about teams that actually could contend for a Super Bowl. So that's the other big takeaway. That win was huge for Las Vegas last night. It was big for Josh McDaniel, and it did enough for the organization to justify holding on to Devontae Adams. Yeah, we called this the Devontae Adams Bowl, and we didn't even talk about him until, what, 10 minutes in? Yeah, <laughs> he had four catches last night. Jacoby Myers had seven. The guy that they don't He wasn't know. happy about it either. Oh. Devontae the guy, was not how, happy how about not that. How are you going to get him worked in more in the first half? Well, well, the guy that they don't use is Hunter Renfro at 100 catches a couple of years ago, which you thought maybe they would use him more in the Josh McDaniels offense playing the slot, but he's, he's non-existent. And I will say, Jimmy G, people hate on him so much, and I'm not saying he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, Based on play, looks wise, he's first ballot. But I would say that at some point we have to acknowledge when he's your quarterback and you're playing football with him as your quarterback, the teams find ways to win. This is the third team now that he has just helped find a way to win. He doesn't have to be spectacular. I don't care that you win 17-13. You won. A win's a win. Take it and run with it. Speaking of his former teams, how much longer do we see New England go without changes? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU. You can watch us there, ESPN app, Sirius XM80, and all of our great ESPN stations across the country, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Well, yeah. Oh, boy. Patriots are definitely a story. As a Pats fan, this stinks, but it is warranted. They are awful. They don't really do anything particularly well right now. (laughs) I mean, seriously, Belichick coins all three phases, which means if you're good on specials, that should be acknowledged. They ain't good on specials either. Their kicker misses kicks. Their punter is terrible. It's awful. Everything is awful there. Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback, ESPN NFL analyst, was on Get Up with Greeny at 8 a.m. Eastern on ESPN television and had this to say about Mac Jones and who he could have been if he went somewhere else. If Mac Jones was in San Francisco, he would be playing like Brock Birdie. I actually agree. Oh, God, I, no. Yes, dude. No, there's no chance. I'm actually, so he, 
he'd be better than he is. But if you think he's going to play like Brock Purdy, Rex. you haven't paid attention to Brock Purdy. Rex. That is a slap in his face. No, it's he's not. not just a, he's not just a system quarterback. Did we, did we pay that guy's attention? playing like Joe Montana, not not Joe Montana, like this guy's playing. <laughs> stop, Dano, stop. Did we pay attention to Mac Jones' rookie year? So that never yes. happened? No, I did. And I even called him a pea shooter then. He did. No quarterback is going to be successful in New England. I agree with that part. No quarterback this year. Absolutely. Okay, a couple of things there. First off, um, Orlovsky knows more about quarterbacking play than I'll ever know in my life. I'm acknowledging that. But Rex Ryan, the second voice you just heard there, is 1,000% right. I've watched every snap Mac Jones has played in the NFL. There is zero chance he would have been Brock Purdy if he was in San Francisco, which we all believe that San Francisco traded those three first-rounders initially with the thought that Kyle Shanahan had of trying to get Mac Jones and said they took Trey Lance. I don't buy for a second he would have been Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is head and shoulders above Mac Jones, and it's not close, Smalls. Well, he also references his rookie year. That version of Mac Jones is long gone. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it wasn't even that good. But I keep going back to last year. I, I just wonder, it was so discombobulated, if there's any coming back from what Mac Jones has endured. I mean, it is not good by any measure right now in New England. But he looks lost at times. He he looks like he can't find himself again or find that confidence. The Patriots have scored three points in their last two games. They've had 34 consecutive offensive Ooh. drives without a <laughs> touchdown and they've gone 10 straight quarters without scoring any kind of a touchdown I know that it's not all Mac Jones's fault but we if we're distributing blame pie he certainly deserves a big piece of it no there's no doubt about it but I mean to sit here and have this sports hypothetical and say that Mac Jones would be doing what Brock Purdy's doing is absolutely ridiculous I mean it's not something that you can prove first and foremost but beyond that I agree with Rex. It is disrespectful to what Brock Purdy has been. Again, Dano, unintended, but taking a shot at Brock Purdy and how special he's been since he's taken over the starting job out there in San Francisco. I'm not going to sit here and say Mac Jones would have been plug and play. Uh, We we think that Mac Jones have traits that would have played well in Kyle Shanahan's offense, but you just don't know. You don't know. There there are so many different things that go into whether or not a player has success. So I, I don't think that it's... Uh, a, a good situation for anybody that would be under center in New England, but to sit here and say that, yeah, Mac Jones could could line up with the San Francisco 49ers and do what Proc Purdy is doing is absolutely ridiculous. I agree. But what kind of an indictment is that on the state of things in New England? That it's um, that bad that someone like Darren Orlovsky is looking at Mac Jones and saying if he could just get out of there, he could potentially be who we expected him to be. Mm-hmm. Like The state of New England, is it that bad right now under Bill Belichick that we think if we free some of these players that they're going to be that much better? If they go elsewhere. See, that I don't buy. I believe the specifics of Mac Jones. Mac Jones, you could say, okay, he would be better in the Kyle Shanahan system. Here's the funny thing. Not successfully. They tried to put in the Kyle Shanahan system last year. That's what they actually tried to do with Matt Patricia and that zone uh, run game, etc. It was a disaster. And that a lot of people said, well, you're taking away what Mac Jones is actually good at, which is the brain part. Like reading of defense and saying, okay, let's switch to this, switch to that. He ain't good at anything. He's just not that good. As simple as that. You want to put him in the Kyle Shanahan offense? Okay, so he goes from a, what do you want to say, a D minus to a C minus? He's not an A. He's just not. There's been nothing. Josh McDaniels, when he had him the first year, he had 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. We thought that maybe he was on the right path. He still is not great, and I'm a pat- I'm bi- I want to be biased in his favor. He's not that good. Well, Simple as that. But, but I think Smalls is speaking to a larger issue. Functional franchises don't switch coordinators the first three years of a quarterback's career in the National Football League. 
You just don't do that. You have to have some consistency. You have to have some continuity in terms of how you you execute the game, how you see the game, how you call the game. That lends itself to getting the best version of the player and growth in terms of improving their football IQ and their football acumen overall. And the fact that Bill Belichick has Mac Jones in the midst of all of this dysfunction is is something that we're – we're perplexed by. We, we just don't understand it because this is somebody that's seemingly always buttoned up, always has the answer for a given situation. And it doesn't matter what he tries to do, what he tries to change. The Patriots can't get out of their own way. And now you're compounding that with a lack of effort and a lack of fundamentals with this squad. That's the thing that's probably most alarming about it. It's not that the fact that the Patriots are getting beat. It's that they're getting outclassed. When's the last time we've been able to say that about a Patriots football team? Under Bill Belichick, two decades exactly. Well, not no, not under not no, under Bill Belichick, not no, under never, Bill Belichick, never, never, never. Yeah. never. And that's the problem right now. And that's why I say, even though he's an all time great coach, his time has passed. Okay, so let's let's put the feet to the fire on this, right? Okay, we've all talked about the idea. Could this be his last year? Right? If I said to you right now, one of these two things are going to happen, you tell me which one is more likely: Belichick gets fired in season, or Belichick turns this around and takes them to the playoffs. Oh, he gets fired in season. Oh. This this, this team turning around and going to the playoffs? I'm saying playoffs? One? Playoffs? Which one's more likely? Playoffs? We're talking playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> Where's Jim Moore when you need it? Playoffs? <laughs> this, this team? How the hell is this team going to the playoffs, Ev? You think, how is that happening? I didn't say they were going to. No, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just asking. How <laughs> would that even be possible? But I think it's more likely that they turn it around than Kraft fires him in season. Playoffs. I don't know if there's any chance that he's going to fire him in because season. Because of the respect factor? Yeah, you can't fire Bill Belichick in season. And by the way, <laughs> if you're at the place where you think you're going to fire him in season, then you're better off letting it go because you'll finish with a top five pick and get the quarterback that you need long term. I can't see him getting fired in season. I mean, So then there's a better chance of making the playoffs. But I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Oh, I know. Louis, I know. If you're going to give me this feet to the fire hypothetical, I would say it's more likely that they'll make the playoffs, even though that is not possible. I just I, I, I picked them firing him in season because I think the inevitable result will be somebody will be the head coach different head coach in 2024. Like yes. they're, they're closer to a new head coach than they are getting to the playoffs. And that's why I said fired in season. I don't think it's going to happen either. I, I think Belichick I is going to resign ultimately, but they're closer to the head coach being gone than they are getting to the tournament. There's no way in hell this team, this, this team right now, there's no way they can get to the playoffs. But I can't believe that that would be the ending for somebody that's been this great and this prolific in their career. Life comes at you fast in the NFL. It really it never, does. Here's the thing, Smalls. It never ends the way you think it should. Very rarely do you see players have a chance to ride out like Ray Lewis did after that 2012 championship and call it a career. Very rarely does that happen. I remember my position coach, Clarence Brooks, D-line coach in the Baltimore Ravens, God rest his soul, he said, we're all just one day closer to them asking us to leave. And that's what it feels like this season for Bill Belichick. I said it yesterday, and I'm going to say it again. This is a long goodbye for the hoodie. This is it. This is it. It's going to become more obvious, more glaring as the season wears on. They're not pulling out of this nosedive. This is a bad football team, and unfortunately, the head coach has lost the ear of the locker room. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Your telephone number to join us in the Dr. Pepper call-in line. We're putting your feet to the fire on this. You have to go extremes. What's more likely? Belichick fired in season? Where he turns this around and makes the play. I can't even say it without laughing. Turns this around <laughs> right? and makes the play. But Playoffs. I still think I Playoffs. still think between those two. Playoffs? That's Playoffs. more likely. I don't think there's any. I think there's a 0% <laughs> chance 
that Belichick is fired in season. And per ESPN Analytics, there's a 2% chance that they make the Wait, playoffs. Wait, so you're saying there's playoffs? A there's a chance, 2%. <laughs> now, they have a greater chance at the number one pick per analytics at 5%. <laughs> but there you go. 888-SAY-ESPN on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Coming up, we have Canty's Power Rankings. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2, ESPNU. (sighs) Listen on all the ESPN stations. That sounds weird. Across the country. No, it's just so good. The the music music is so good. It does it for me every single time. The music is so good. It scratches his brain up. It's amazing. He's moaning. I love the football football music. Love the football music. Love doing the power rankings on Tuesday. Got a little little surprise, a few surprises in the power rankings. So so buckle up, buckle up. Javante, let's hit it. Number five. All right, this is the Buffalo Bills. Now, I know a lot of people are like, well, what about the Detroit Lions? They're 4-1, and the Bills are 3-2. and Listen, I will say this. The Buffalo Bills are a team that their best is better than the Detroit Lions' best. Now, unfortunately for them, their worst seems to be a lot worse than the Detroit Lions' bad. So I, I guess the Buffalo Bills are enigmatic in that way. But here's the one thing that's not a shock. When they drop back, 40-plus times with Josh Allen, nothing good happens. Anytime Josh Allen drops back 40 or more times, the Buffalo Bills are going to struggle. Since the start of 2021 to now, Josh Allen is 27-11 and 11, uh, with his record. Now, when he drops back more than 40 times, the team is 8-9. and nine. When he drops back less than 40 times, they're 19-2. and two. So, Buffalo Bills, figure it out. Don't, 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 don't sit there and drop Josh Allen at 45, 50 times. Stop dropping back so much with Josh Allen. Don't ask him to be Superman on every given game. There are some days where he needs to break out his cape like week four against the Miami Dolphins, but the game on against the Jaguars on Sunday was not that. Next. Number four. Okay, we got the Miami Dolphins. The ultimate slump buster for them was the New York Giants. 
And the Dolphins' offense is over 2,500 yards through the first five games. Smalls, you talked about it a little bit yesterday. This is the first offense to average over 500 yards per game through their first five games. There's a reason why they're the number one scoring offense. They're the number one total offense. I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I mean, they've got speed all over the field. We'll have to see what happens to Devon Achan. He's got a little bit of a knee injury, but... Of the six fastest recorded times, according to Next Gen Stats, the Miami Dolphins have five of them for ball carries. Think about it. The six fastest times in the NFL when it comes to ball carriers, the Miami Dolphins have five of them. It is That's unbelievable bananas. how fast this team is. Mike McDaniel, when their head coach, when they got Chase Claypool last week, he was asked, what do you like about him? He goes, okay, I'll say it. He's fast. He's fast. <laughs> Absolutely. Next. Number three. Kansas City Chiefs was understood, ain't got to be said. The next victim on the Chiefs schedule, doesn't really matter, guys. Denver, Thursday does, night. Doesn't does really matter. Doesn't that, really matter. That's a real victim, though, Chris. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, they, I mean, y'all want to see a dead body? <laughs> just watch the game on Thursday night. We're going to take it back to boys in the hood. I mean, they just continue to roll. I, I mean, I guess the only thing that's noteworthy is watching what happens with Travis Kelsey, how healthy he is, got a little nicked up in that game against the Vikings, but... This is a team that's just going to continue to roll along. And as you said before, Ev, I mean, they're, they're running away with the AFC West right now. Next. Number two. The Philadelphia Eagles. And I know this is a team that hasn't looked right for the majority of the season. But look at Jalen Hurts the last two games. Over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns to one interception. And the one thing that he broke out for the first time really this season was the wheels. We saw Jalen Hurts use his legs against the L.A. Rams front. He rushed for over 70 yards. DeAndre Swift had over 70 yards. 160 yards rushing for the Philadelphia Eagles in that win against the Rams. They can do it a lot of different ways, Smalls, whether it's in the air with A.J. Brown like we saw the Commanders in Week 4 or whether they're going to do a ground and pound like we saw in Week 5 against the Rams. They can give it to you any way you want it. And their versatility in that way is what makes this team special. And then, of course, the best player on the team, Jalen, that would be Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle. He had a game game with two sacks and countless pressures. That defensive front leads the league in pressures in the National Football League. They're top three in knockdowns, quarterback knockdowns. So they've had the ability to get after the pass. We saw that last year. They've carried it over this year. There is a firm identity in Philadelphia, and the scary part about it is they're not even close to playing their best football. They're not close. Not at all. I still think how crazy it is that a team that was in the Super Bowl was able to get a player like Jalen Carter. I know it was so fortuitous for them that he was able to be there at that moment. It's crazy. Shout out to the New Orleans Saints, the whole Trevor Penning draft pick, and being able to give a future first round to Philly. That's how they ended up getting <laughs> that pick. But there can, only be one. One, there can only be one number one. <laughs> Number one. The San Francisco 49ers. Is that the most obvious number one in the history of the power rankings? Probably. Probably. <laughs> like, I mean, did you even think for one second, let me consider someone else? No. No. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, they beat the Dallas Cowboys from pillar to post. I mean, Dallas Cowboys call it a measuring stick game. Like you said, Smalls, they took the stick and smacked them with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, they just beat them with the stick really all did. game long. Listen, very rarely do we talk about 42 to 10 games in the NFL – but that 42 to 10 game wasn't as close as the score would indicate. The Dallas Cowboys were non-competitive in that game. And I think it just speaks to the greatness that is the San Francisco 49ers more so than the ineptitude of Dallas. So there are the power rankings. San Francisco, number one, Philadelphia, number two, Kansas City, Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills. Smalls, you're my accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Any disputes, any omissions? No 
disputes, but I, I think a lot of people might be wondering about the Detroit Lions. Okay. And I, you addressed that earlier. Okay. But I think maybe they deserve some consideration. Buffalo's a, a bit of a question for me. When yeah. they're right, they're right, but they've been inconsistent. Yeah, and they've got a lot of injuries on that defensive front seven. I mean, Daquan Jones and Matt Milano are out indefinitely. They lost Trey White two weeks ago for the entire season. He blew out his Achilles. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how – attrition affects the ceiling on this team and quite frankly the floor as well but Josh Allen has got to stop making the mistakes that we see him make well there's one I guess potential argument I would have and that is at five Buffalo three and two their record so far this season well there's another team that's three and two that just beat them in in London the Jaguars I would say the Jaguars could be one or two weeks away from potentially sneaking in there right as long as they're atop the division and Lawrence looks like the guy that we thought he would be before the season which he did on Sunday and two great drives that both resulted in fumbles, by the way, could have added on to that. That's the only thing I would say. Detroit, and then let's include Jacksonville as hovering around the uh, power rankings. But every single week we give the power rankings, and then Smalls gives something else. The shower rankings today. Best times to shower? Is that where we're going to do this with this Smalls here? I, I, I'm talking about situational showers. Situational okay, showers. Okay, that's what I thought you know we were I mean? going. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, situational showers. Number one, summertime. You come in from the beach or a little sandy, an outdoor shower. Okay. Uh, bonus points if it's a cedar shower. That smell is unbelievable. Oh, nice, you know what I'm talking nice. about? Nice. I see where you're going. You know, the heat brings I out the cedar smell. Yeah. But don't you think you need to shower after the outdoor shower when you get home, though? No. Oh, I think you do. I think you do. Because it's still like you're still sandy a little bit, I feel like a little. Well, then you're not showering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Effectively. How, how are you still, still sandy if you're under the water yeah. showering? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so that's number one. Number two? Number two, when it's freezing cold outside and you go in to your own house and get a hot shower. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. You know, you're out in the we're, elements, we're the getting, wind, We're getting the to that snow. season in New York City, Smalls. It's getting close. But you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly you stay in there an extra mean. 10 minutes, you just let that water hit you. It's a, it may be a little too hot, but you love it. I'm surprised, knowing you and you're, you're working out and your marathons and everything like that, the post-workout shower I would have thought you would have had in there. No, because that's not a pleasurable shower No, because you're already hot and yeah. then you're in the hot water, so yeah. it's like you continue to sweat as you're in the shower. That doesn't uh, feel great. I'm with really you on doesn't. that one. All right, we got the power rankings and the shower rankings. <laughs> Shout out to Matt Barry, Sports Center, College Football, and XFL play-by-play voice here on ESPN. He is an expert when it comes to this. I'm mm-hmm. not kidding. Matt Barry has a definitive r- listing of showers. We'll get it at some point from him maybe today. Yeah. Where he knows the shower. He has the specifics like Smalls just had, mm-hmm. but like a top 10 list of showers. You, you know the big takeaway from the shower rankings that Smalls just did? Evan Cohen, not a big beach guy. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. Not a big beach guy. Hundred percent right. You still got sand after you do the outdoor show. I can see his skin crawling when he's talking about the sand. sand Not not a big beach guy. Gross. Cece, there's sand on your feet, and then you got to wash it off again, and then you put the flip flops. Oh. Evan's the guy pool over, over beach that day. gets upset when there's sand in the car. I can tell. 100%. I can tell. I have two kids, though, that are 10 and under. There's always sand in my car. Even when there shouldn't be sand in the car, there's always something they going on. A, they find a way they, to get sand like, in the where car. Where could the sand have possibly come from? And it's in my car. All right, 888-SAY-ESPN is your telephone number to join us on the Dr. Pepper call in line. We're going to get your phone calls in on the poll question we put out there at Unsports ESPN. Which outcome is more likely this year for the Patriots? Belichick fired in season? or Belichick turns it around and actually has them in the playoffs. Coming up, you want to talk about no man's land. There is one team in the NFL that is in complete and utter no man's land. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. 
Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. You can watch us ESPN2, ESPNU. Listen to us on all of our great stations all across the country, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. So we talk about a team in no man's land, guys. What would you do if you're the Carolina Panthers right now? They're 0-5, but they don't have their own first-round pick. It goes to the Bears. You want to talk about no man's land. We know there are some bad teams around the league right now. New England is bad, right? We know that. Denver's bad. The Giants are bad. The Bears and the Vikings are bad. Arizona's bad. But Carolina's bad, the worst. And they don't even have their own draft pick. Is there any team that is in that kind of no man's land? And what would you do if you're with them? Because I think, guys, they already made a mistake here. They should have started Andy Dalton from the get-go. Let Bryce Young watch for a little bit. I understand there's examples to the counter of this, but you look around the league over the last 20, 25 years, Brady started as a backup. Rodgers started as a backup. Breeze started as a backup. Mahomes started as a backup. Lamar started as a backup. Purdy started as a backup. Yeah, I'm including him now. Hertz started as a backup. I understand, Chris, there are counters to that, but there's a lot of guys who were really good who started as a backup. Why couldn't he have been that guy? Well, I, I think the most important thing is you have to put him in position where you can protect him, right? That, that's the that's the obvious. You don't want the career to get knocked out of him before it even gets started, a la David Carr, what happened to him when the Texans were expansion franchise. He got sacked 76 times, and he was never a guy that lived up to the promise of being a number one overall pick. That's what you have to guard against if you're the Carolina Panthers. Now, it ain't for a lack of trying in terms of them putting the pieces in place. They drafted Iki Aquano with a top 10 pick a few years ago. They got Taylor Mouton. They've tried to address the offensive line. It just hasn't worked out with some of those moves, and as a result, you have a porous front that's responsible for creating a pocket for Bryce Young. And and you're talking about him being the smallest starting quarterback in the NFL. I, I just don't know how it works out unless you upgrade at the offensive line position. That's hard to do in season. So I do think there's a world that we can live in where you consider benching Bryce Young, but it's not really necessarily benching him for poor performance. It's more sitting him down so you don't get him hurt. Yeah, it feels like if you're benching him, it's for his own benefit, right? Yeah. I mean, he he has certainly struggled. There's been um, the turnovers, the interceptions. I was reading this morning about how they're simplifying the offense for him. And if this guy's going to be your future long-term, do you really want to continue to put him out there and A, put him at risk for potential injury, and B, I just can't imagine for a young quarterback that's had that much success at the college level what it's like to come into the 
the NFL and struggle like this. It might be a good thing for Carolina to go ahead, sit him down, let him get acclimated behind the scenes, and just do a full restart for Bryce Young. Here's the problem. The word that we're using here is benching. And it's not actually a benching is what we're saying, but the perception is that they're benching the number one overall pick. Even though it's we're going to pace you better for long-term success – and this is why I don't think they should have started him from the beginning. But it's not about pacing Bryce Young and his overall development. It's about what's around him. That 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 I guess that's the, the that's the 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 this distinction that we need to make. It's not about this thing being too fast or being too big for Bryce Young because I don't believe either are true. I think it's just a matter of the offensive line not being up to snuff and not having the requisite weapons that it takes to have productivity in the passing game and have an offense that can move the football. So I think the Carolina Panthers have a lot of work to do and this is a point now in the season where they should consider the the guys that they could potentially move off of in order to bring back draft capital to help them fill in the pieces around Bryce Young. This is going to be a team that's led by their offense. Right now, it seems like it's a team that they they have more talent on the defensive side of the ball. They've got to find a way to flip the script with that in order to get the best out of Bryce Young because you're pot committed now. This is your guy. You're talking about investing significant draft capital. Not only did you give up the first-round pick last year, the, well, I think was ninth overall, but you're now talking about giving up the number one overall pick for a decision that you made in 2022, which is drafting or 2023, which is drafting Bryce Young. So, this is this is your guy. This is the face of the franchise, and you got to make sure that you do everything you can so he develops and that you have success with him. Eight 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 say ESPN is your telephone number to be a part of the show on the Dr Pepper call in line, asking you guys what's more likely amongst the un- unlikeliness of Belichick fired in season. Or Belichick turning it around with the Pats and making the playoffs. And the Panthers should potentially bench the number one overall pick in Bryce Young. Icky in Arkansas watching on ESPN2. What's up, Icky? Hey, this is Icky in Arkansas, kind of like the Polish Icky Woods. Okay, <laughs> uh, got it. All right. On this, on this Belichick thing, I think you guys are kind of living in fantasy land. Hell, Dallas got rid of Landry. Miami got rid of Shula. The Bears got rid of Ditka. These guys have egos. They don't want to leave when it's time to leave. Belichick needs to be classy. He needs to retire, hand the reins somewhere, and go off with, with his Super Bowls and be you know considered one of the three or four best of all time. Look at somebody like Paterno, who stayed 10 years too long because of ego, and look what happened. It's time for Belichick to retire. Okay, so the Belichick retired. That part is fair. Let's leave Paterno out. That's a, a much different real-life situation. And Ditka should not be grouped with the other guys in terms of their level of success. But Landry and Shula were not fired in season. There are many people out there who are saying Belichick could be fired in season. There's a difference. And if Belichick still wants to coach, he should not just walk away. I mean, like, if, he's, if he wants to coach football moving forward past this season and he wants to coach the Pats – then he's going to have to let Kraft fire him. Yeah, but isn't it about what's best for the organization that he's employed by? Like, is he really the best option for any team right now? No. I believe he is still. Because even if he leaves New England, Evan, he's going to go to a place where he likely has to start over, right? I don't think it's going to be a plug-and-play situation. It's going to be a desperate organization that is looking to bring in someone with the cachet of a Bill Belichick and build a culture from within. At this stage in his life and his career, is that really something that is fair for him to undertake? I, I just I don't know if it's going to be – as simple as he wants to coach, therefore he can slash should. 
I mean, I, I would disagree just because I think that we brought up the team. You put him on the Chargers, you're going to think about that team differently. That's the one team that everybody brings up with him is could – because I agree, he should not be in a rebuild. Is there a ready-made-ish team? Justin Herbert makes you ready-made. But don't you want, if you are the Chargers, to bring in an offensive mind, somebody that you can take Justin Herbert with and take him to the next level and make him the guy that you're spending all of this money on? I mean, Belichick's Bel- a defensive guy. Yes, that's how he came up. But he also was the head coach of a team that had the greatest offense that we've seen with with Brady. But and I and by the way, he'll have guys that he could bring in with him if McDaniel's doesn't make it this year. And in, in with uh, the Raiders, he'll have him. But I get what you're saying. It's fair. He's Belichick has put himself in the position where you have a right to question him. Riley in Chicago, listening on ESPN 1000. What's up, Riley? Hey. What's up, Riley? Yes, go ahead. Hey. Hey, how you doing, guys? What's uh, up, bro? Just wanted to say I think it's much more likely that Belichick makes the playoffs than uh, he gets fired in season. I think that Kraft has a lot more class than that to fire him in season, especially given what Belichick has done over all the years. And honestly, I think if Kraft tried to fire him, Belichick would just say, uh, no, you're not going to fire me because he can do what he wants. <laughs> now, that's funny. That hypothetical of Kraft walks in, says to Belichick, we're going to move on. No, nah, I'm good. No, period. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to be coaching there this weekend. I'm just trying to get better at all three phases. That's why I think it's going to be a dramatic ending because that's a, a real-life conversation that could be had. I don't think it's going to be dramatic because, I mean, Belichick's a part of his legacy is having his lieutenants in place to be able to take over in Foxborough, Jared Mayo, his son, Steve. Like, If you want those people to be in place, then you'll step aside quietly. We'll transition you to a consultant role in the front office and let that be that. Is the Brock Purdy love getting out of control? No. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike Live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.